Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Kristen. I'm your host and life coach, and this is Modern Day Asians. Hey everyone, my name is Kristen. I am a cultural trauma and identity coach. And today I'm going to be talking about stop using humor to hide the truth about Asian parenting. And the reason I say that is because I've noticed a lot of Asian talent that's on media. And it's so exciting to see more comedians and um, actors, actresses on movies now, because growing up, really couldn't see a lot of color representation on the TV shows that I watch and grew up with. And it's really exciting to see in the last 10 years how much um, more diversity and um, people of color show up on television. And I want to call out that I hear a lot of people, especially with Asian descent, talk about their Asian parents and then use humor to cope with it. And I love humor, don't get me wrong. It's a great way to um, cope with pain and process pain. But I will say that there is a lot of pain when that joke lands. And I say that because one of my favorite comedians right now is Jimmy O. Yang. And if you look up his short video on being roasted by his dad, he talks about how he receives insults instead of a pep talk before his ping pong game and maybe how his relatives make comments about everything that's wrong with his face now it's funny now as a grown adult but when you are a kid that impacted your self-esteem that impacted your self-confidence and your worth because instead of getting praise or recognized for the great work that you've done all you've heard is how you can be better, um, what you can do to be better. And that is something that I feel like a lot of people of color, or at least with Asian descent, struggle with, because that is the love language that our parents speak. And I want to tell you my truth, and it took me a long time to process and say this, but the type of parenting that I received was abusive. It was child abuse. I suffer from emotional and physical trauma. And the reason why it took me so long to realize that it was abusive is because of how normalized we have made this authoritative tiger parenting, Asian parenting normalized as part of the Eastern culture. And I want to call out that that shouldn't be accepted as part of the Eastern culture. We as the next generation have the ability to start changing this intergenerational trauma. And when what hurts me inside is, you know, after the joke and it lands, you know that something deeper inside of you is saying, is the sad child that wished that they had nice parents and it's it I got to this point because 
I've done inner child work and a lot of our programming, the way we view the world stems from childhood development and your upbringing. And I felt that in the past, I had two options. The reason it took me so long to come to this major conclusion, which then ended up being what I needed to be the next level version of myself, was that I thought that if I accepted the abuse, it was because it was me being born Asian. I didn't have a choice. Being Asian meant that you had to go through this type of parenting and it had to be abusive. Or two, I had to either choose between Western and Eastern culture. I grew up making mental notes that there are certain Asian things that I shouldn't do in front of other people because it made me stand out. It was an area where people can target me and make racist comments towards me or point out that I've that I am different and I will never be accepted into a group of people. So I get fragmented. I struggled with my culture and identity because I associated that everything Eastern method was bad and that it was toxic. However, I want you to know that if you're listening and you can relate, the biggest point of this episode is letting you know that this type of child abuse from this type of style of parenting is, should not be an Eastern culture. It should not be accepted as it. There are no free passes to hurt kids and just say that it's, it's part of the culture. And it's called generational trauma. And it's been being passed down by many centuries. So now the back and forth challenge that the current generation is facing with is that you, if you're in an area and you are not around Asians, even if you are around Asians, there are people from even within certain groups, racial groups as well, that want to try to box you into a certain identity based on stereotype. So you could hear comments that could be said, oh, that's so Asian of you, or, oh, you don't act Asian at all. And it makes it extremely difficult as a young person, as a young adult to establish your own identity when people just look at the the color of your skin and tell you that you need to conform to a certain stereotype. And I experienced racism growing up. Um, I've been to all different kinds of schools. I've been to all black school. I've been to all white school. And then when I um, went to college, that was the most diverse group of people that I um, was around. And when, because of all the different demographics that I went through, going to college was a culture shock for me because we, I went to Michigan State and it had the second largest international Chinese population out of any colleges in the, in the States. And when that was my first time being around a lot of Asian people, and I would always make mental notes and be like, oh, well, that's a foreign Asian. I don't want to look like them. I don't want to dress like them. I'm a westernized Asian. And I, I said that so proudly. And 
this was the mental list that I made in my head. I made a list of to do things and not to do things with the emphasis on the not to do things because it made me seem more Asian. And that was from all the internalized racism, those comments that I received growing up and not knowing any better. So comments that I received growing up is I had people make comments about my slanty small eyes. Um, I've had people refer to me and use racial slurs. They'll call me Mulan um, or anything that they can think of from the media. Jackie Chan was big in the 90s. So I was called Jackie Chan. Um, I was called Michelle, Michelle Kwan. So those were some of the examples of people, you know, saying racist things to me. They'll even, um, you know, chant the song like Ching Chang Chong and things like that, that is just dates so back, maybe back to the 40s or the 30s of a particular song and it was all okay in school like none of the teachers um corrected any of the students and um and the media didn't help either the media still had um stereotypes of Asians um and it just didn't really help differentiate there wasn't any cool Asian teenagers on TV or anything like that so there was a lack of representation and one of my biggest moments where I had to heal from is that I received this bullying at school. I told my parents and they actually made me feel worse about it. Their response was, well, aren't you Asian? And I was like, well, that's really not the point, obviously, is because people are saying this to hurt my feelings. And I don't think my parents understood what it was that I was trying to say. And so it actually made me feel worse. And I felt that that was one of the biggest moments in my life where I decided to completely cut down and not talk to my parents about anything personal because they couldn't help me process the pain or give me helpful advice. Um, in fact, emotionally I felt worse than I did prior and so when you start to make those associations no one's there no one understands you um, you try to tell people how serious things are they ignore how you feel for me it affected my relationship they spent when when it comes to appearance it affected the way that I viewed myself I have an extremely complicated relationship with my eyes, um, especially my eye makeup. I am always super cautious about it um, because of the comments that I've received. Um, my eyelashes, the way that my eyes are shaped. Uh, I've heard a lot of comments that all Asians look alike. So I've always done something different with my hair just so that I can stand out and be my own individual. And so I spent a lot of money coloring and cutting my hair. So those are some examples of how I've been affected by my, those comments, those, 
those comments that I turn into facts. And one of my biggest moments that I realized that I was disowning my Asian identity was I dated a guy, one of my first guys that I've dated were Asian. And I noticed how comfortable he is with his Asian identity. I started to realize that I hated a part of myself and um, suppressed that side. And that was one of the ways I realized that I'm not fully embracing my identity. And so I wanted to share with you like how everything kind of affected um, starting from the parents going into this confusion about where and how I viewed my identity. I had an identity crisis and I didn't know how to find peace between the Western and the Eastern culture. I was torn between these two worlds and I didn't belong in any particular world because they both saw me as foreign And I couldn't relate to my parents because they just were so traditional and they don't understand this generation, this time, because they are, you know, um, involved in their own world that they don't know what it is that I was going through. So this time of my life was very, very confusing. It felt trapped. I was suppressed. I didn't know what to do with my emotions. And, and so I wanted to create some awareness around this because maybe you did feel like this when you were growing up and now you don't know why you struggle with certain things in your life, certain skills, or you're having issues with like relationships or things related to work and your relationship with your manager. A lot of those issues can come from this development phase of your life. Now, it was really, really difficult to find support when you're alone in this cultural pain is because there's a lot of stigma but behind trying to seek mental support, um, additional support around processing this type of cultural trauma. Now, for me, again, what I have experienced is that I just keep hearing that this type of parenting is normalized. I didn't think that it could affect the way that um, I have issues uh, with with my romantic partners. I've had issues um, with my manager because it my relationship with my manager reminded me of my relationship with my parents. And so you start to make these links because what you are familiar with in your childhood gets repeated into the future because you attract people in your future um, that remind you of dynamics in your past. Two is you feeling torn to seek support because of this cultural saving face as a family. If you seek support, you would be airing out all of your family's dirty laundry And that is looked down upon. That is taught in culture. Next one is obviously not having the right tools to know what to do and how to start your healing process. Next, maybe you do find a therapist and your therapist is not aware culturally. So you having to feel like you're explaining 
something and may, might give you a response or reply back. And it is, it isn't what you have portrayed back to the therapist because they don't understand um, the weight that it has on family values. And so they're not culturally aware. And so you still find blocks with the people that you connect with because they don't truly understand what it is that you're saying. And then lastly is cultural dissonance, which I felt was me all the way up until I was, you know, 27. And what that is, is just completely rejecting all of your parents' Asian traditional views and that you favor all Western values and views. So a lot of complication um, of why we can't seem to heal and be on top of this healing to take ourselves to the next level where we are not defined by culture, um, stereotypes, family expectations, and more. So another example I want to share with you is how all of this affected my personal relationships, in particular, um, a serious boyfriend. So I had a fight with him um, a couple weeks ago, and I found myself that I was using the love language that my parents used on me to encourage um, results and it was performance-based. And so I have created this exact same dynamic with a person that I loved and trusted. And it is one of the patterns where I am trying to evolve from and to go away from. So instead of pushing and using threatening language, I should be using more encouragement or leading by example as a way to create a more healthy dynamic that's more open, um, that is more vulnerable. And you would think that this is common sense, but naturally, I didn't even know that this was this was even happening until I realized the deeper meaning behind all of our arguments. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to show this to my future kids. This isn't a skill that I want to pass down or teach my kids um, when it comes to everything being performance-based, being judged by your performance. So this was my work that I needed to do. And it stemmed from my upbringing and the way that my parents raised me in the environment. That was the awareness that I came upon. And so one of the healthier things that you can do in this particular example is to see and reference if you know of anyone in a what you call a healthy relationship. Healthy is different in, in different um, people's perspectives, but referencing and finding someone that you think that they have a healthy relationship, you can start to realize um, what are some ways that you can incorporate those healthy dynamics into your own into your own friendships and relationships. And I will tell you that none of the relationships and um, examples that you see on TV is healthy. It is actually very difficult to find healthy examples of 
of what it is it what is a healthy relationship because everything's on that's on tv and media those are all drama based so if you follow their dynamics and you follow oh there's there's a hero that there's a victim um and there's also a um a villain if you follow those dynamics you will always have drama in your life so your work to do is to find figure out what is healthy mean to you in terms of relationships, in terms of your friendships that you want to have, in terms of uh, work too as well. And um, this was my work that I needed to do because I value relationships and I want a deep, meaningful one. This was the challenge that I've had faced in my next phase of work that I need to do. Now, obviously all this awareness is the first step that it takes to create change go back and reflect what are some unhealthy behaviors that your parents have taught you that you don't want to pass down to your lineage. Perhaps you're even demonstrating that right now, if you do have kids, if you have a boyfriend, um, if you're managing a team by chance, all of those behaviors will show up. So Review it and see if there's any behaviors or patterns that you want to change and for the betterment of how you continue to get to your next level. Next step is building new habits and patterns from being aware. So this is the integration part, which is going to take a lot of people sometimes a long journey that has multiple paths because there's not just one correct way to get to healing. Some people, it might take years. Some people might take a couple of months to try to overcome. But if you are aware and you're trying new things, you're trying um, other ways, the opposite of what you are doing now, you're it's going to be a challenging process because you're used to your old patterns and behaviors, but it is the work that is difficult and will be rewarding at the end. So this, all of this correlates to a big topic. You might've heard of it. It's pretty much a buzzword in the self-development world, but it's called intergenerational trauma. And um, usually that happens with people who have relatives that went through like war, famine, colonization, and in particular, like my parents had went through uh, Chinese communism and they didn't have their basic needs. They struggled with food and everything was rationed. There was not enough food. Everyone was told what their jobs would be and that was to work for the government and everyone was stripped of their titles. It didn't matter if you were a teacher, doctor, lawyer, you worked for the government and you had to do what they told you what to do. So that was the background that my mom grew up in. She was in the 60s, she's pretty much a baby bloomer at this point, but that was her reality that she went through. And now, obviously I've had a better life than her, But if I continue and not do this work, I would pass down everything that she's taught me down to my further lineage. And I don't want to do that for my kids. I don't want to show them all this, some of this negative, hurtful um, type of strategies to my, um, to parenting my kids. So being aware of that. And um, so next week, 
we're going to talk more about what intergenerational trauma is. I have invited a guest. Um, she is a therapist in Canada to talk more about about details, what you can do with that information, next steps. So hoping you all tune in next week for a follow-up on this topic. And I appreciate everyone for listening. If this is something that you want to get private coaching on, please reach out to me. Be happy to um, discuss to see if we want to work together on um, this type of healing. Thank you so much for listening to Modern Day Asians. My goal is to help Asians heal by guiding them to find their truest expression, self-acceptance, and belonging within. To support the mission of this podcast, please subscribe and share with your fellow friends to spread the message. And also in the show notes, there is a option to opt in into emails where you'll get the latest information on the latest podcast releases, tools and strategies so that you can find and redefine yourself as an Asian. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. If you have any comments or suggestions, please let me know. See you all next week.